section four of a battle of the books this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by angelique g campbell december two thousand eighteen a battle of the books by gail hamilton declaration of war mr dane at my desire and without mentioning any names went to several publishers in athens and was told by all whom he saw that ten per cent on the retail price was the author's customary share of the profits he was referred to mr campton of the firm of murray and elder as being the person who knew more about these things than any man in athens mr c said the same thing i immediately wrote to mr hunt february eleventh in reply to the suggestion in your last letter that i should send my juvenile book i am forced to say what i never thought to say that i cannot see how it will be for my interest that you should publish any more of my books unhappily it is not necessary that i should give any explanation since the reason if it do not exist to your own knowledge and by your own arrangement does not exist at all m n to mr dane this you see is a little different from what i spoke of but what is the use of keeping up appearances if he has done what he seems to have done there is no possible way of getting over it and i may as well meet it face to face at once if he takes no notice of this note or if he asks an explanation i shall refer him to you and you may do whatever you think best if he thinks this an unfriendly course i think it is for him to show that any other way was possible certainly i tried hard enough to keep the matter between ourselves alone sometimes i feel indignant but somehow the uppermost feeling is a sense of loss there weighs upon me a burden as if some great calamity had befallen unless he may yet show something that has hitherto not appeared giving a new light m n to mr dane february fifteenth mr hunt shows an indifference quite in harmony with the theory that his friendship for me is founded on his business relations in fact it seems that business relations and friendly relations are alike unimportant to him for he has taken no notice whatever of my letter of course i shall not be careful to preserve what he values so lightly yet i would rather err on the side of caution than of recklessness it is possible my letter may have been missent or that he is out of town of course when our breach becomes public it can never be healed and i therefore do not wish it to pass beyond us till there is no possibility of doubt i therefore will write another note and enclose it in this letter if you see no objection i would like to have you mail it to him in athens then i shall wait one week more the week after that is the week commencing february twenty-third i shall wish you to call upon mr hunt and get all the money etc of mine which he holds mr dane to m n 
i am grieved and sorry with you at this thing i thought mr hunt would hasten at the suggestion of any real dissatisfaction to satisfy you yours enclosing a note to him just came i know that suspense to you is very trying and i want you to do all that is possible to keep the trouble where it is and i would therefore have you send him the note which you enclose before you suggest me or anyone else as a disjunctive conjunction the note to mr hunt simply said that i had received no answer to my last note that indeed no answer was necessary but i should be glad to know he had received it and that as it was hardly probable two successive letters should go wrong if i did not hear from him i should assume that he had received both notes m n to mr dane february nineteenth no letter has come there is no use in waiting i do not understand mr hunt's course nor do i care to understand it the more i think of it the more i am inclined not to have you do anything about the past let the dead bury their dead it will be only a disagreeable personal affair whose sole satisfaction will be the money it will in effect be arguing and claiming a greater value than he has set upon me for my part i would a great deal rather let it all go you just call and get the money that the account says is due make as much of a settlement as can be settled and if he chooses to let everything remain as it is i choose it also if he can afford to dispense with an explanation so can i i had given to mr dane an order upon mr hunt for what money of mine he had in his possession mr dane called for the money on the twenty fourth of february and on the same day but whether before or after mr dane's call i can only infer mr hunt wrote to me dear m n on my return home on saturday i found your note without state informing me that you had received no reply to your note of last thursday i have not replied to your note of february eleventh because i could not understand the purport of it and hoped you might be in town soon to explain it in the last letter i received from you some days before the note referred to above written in the old friendly spirit and faith you tell me you have a juvenile book nearly ready and ask if it shall be sent for publication i reply please send it at once and then comes your note of the eleventh instance with this passage in it i cannot see how it will be for my interest that you should publish any more of my books unhappily it is not necessary that i should give any explanation since the reason if it does not exist to your own knowledge and by your own arrangement does not exist at all now there must have been something in my note to you to which this note of february eleventh is a reply which has offended you else why this sudden change from the sentiments in your long and friendly letter to those of the unhappy note of february eleventh now pray let us understand each other and in all kindness i ask you to tell me the ground of your sudden dissatisfaction very sincerely yours 
r s hunt mr hunt's ignorance in face of my letters his absolute inability to conjecture in what direction the trouble lay his misgiving that some unremembered sentence in his letter had offended me seemed to me not a little remarkable i wrote again m n to mr hunt my dear mr hunt it is an unpleasant story to tell but since you desire it i will repeat it you recollect the letter i wrote you some time last december and the question i asked you in it the long and friendly letter of which you write told you of my waiting and of my writing to mr jackson mr jackson's letter confirmed the statement of the segregational issue most he said there is a custom of the trade which obtains for the first venue of an author unknown to fame to receive ten per cent on the retail price of the book after the first copies are sold as to the price per volume of m n s works i should think twenty to twenty-five cents per volume would be the fair copyright sometimes a moderate copyright makes larger sales by enabling the publishers to give large discounts to the trade etc etc i still supposed there was some good reason for my receiving a lower rate than any mentioned and in my long letter i tried to make clear to you the point which i wished settled in your reply you said by e do you wonder matters having been many times explained that he thought they must sooner or later explain themselves through your memory we forget how in a retired life things work in the mind etc etc my memory is not wont to play me false and so far from matters having been many times explained they have not been explained at all i have never so much as sought any explanation until now never but once has the subject been referred to between us that was years ago soon after the publication of city lights and while prices were as yet unfixed you then said of your own accord that owing to fluctuation of prices and general uncertainties you were making arrangements with your authors to pay them fifteen cents a volume instead of a percentage to this i readily assented all that you said did not take five minutes and all that i said did not amount to five words i had a great deal more faith in your honourable intentions towards me than i had in my literary power to serve you i had far more anxiety lest i should make you lose money than i had lest you should make me lose it i decided that if i were indeed brooding in a retired life over a trifle it was time to refer the matter to someone whose life was not retired and who was better able than i to judge i gave the whole matter to honourable mr dane he made inquiries among the publishers without using your name or in any way bringing you in question and as the result of his investigations he reports ten per cent on the retail price as the very lowest pay to the author one publisher told him that they considered a book that was not worth to its author ten per cent was not worth publishing how then could i avoid the conclusion that you have been paying me all these years from one-fourth to one-third less than the lowest market price
for notwithstanding the fixed sum was to avoid a change change has not been avoided when a book was published whose retail price was one dollar and fifty cents the author's part went down to ten cents that is the author's price was fixed against a rise but flexible toward a fall is not this enough to explain my change of sentiment and my sudden dissatisfaction mr hunt i cannot talk of this i have suffered a loss that money cannot measure nor words express the writing of this letter is the most painful work my pen has ever done my faith in you was perfect and my friendship boundless and it has all come to this i was thoroughly identified with you i counted your prosperity mine not a word of praise or censure was passed upon you that i did not feel had your needs demanded it i would gladly have offered twice and thrice and four times any reduction and have reckoned it only pleasure if i have failed to make anything clear you can refer to mr dane no one but himself knows anything about it but how can it be kept longer and yet how can it be told when mr hunt rendered my account and paid my money to mr dane i found that they had allowed ten per cent on the new book rights of men mr hunt did not reply to my letter but sought an interview with mr dane of which the latter gives the following account athens march second seventeen sixty eight i have had a long talk with mr hunt longer than i can write he asked me at first what you wished said he had a long letter from you referring him to me etc i told him that it seemed to you as it did to me strange that while almost any other author was receiving ten per cent on sales you were allowed much less and that that was what had not been explained he expressed all through the greatest regard for you and surprised that you should have so little confidence in him i told him that i should be very glad to be able to assure you that he had done everything towards you that his confidential relations required and that i felt sure it was best in every business point of view that he should continue your publisher he said your books are published more expensively than most books that a great deal has always been expended for advertising that it cost for instance one thousand dollars for one page of the adriatic copies being printed that they employed one man at a yearly salary of blank dollars to attend to having their books properly noticed in the papers that all the machinery for a large sale is expensive that they make forty per cent discount to the trade more on large orders that mr somebody makes estimates of the actual cost of books published and submits them to him and did so with yours and so a fair price was fixed that you have made more out of the books than the publishers and that they could not and cannot afford to pay more than what has been allowed and upon my suggestion that more had been allowed on the rights of men he said that was a thin book and took but little paper and so cost less 
he says others will pay you much more for a single work in order to get you but thinks the style etc would not be satisfactory etc in short mr h claims that in all respects they have done their best as publishers and friends for your reputation and pecuniary interest in the long run mr h said he was sorry you did not call as he suggested and talk about the matter that he should never cease to be your friend i wish you would tell her so that in your letter you had almost charged him with dishonesty which certainly you could not mean etc upon my inquiry he said they made less on the books at the present high prices but he gave me no special estimates he said he had arranged with other authors at a specified price per copy but did not tell me what price as the interview was at his request i had no demands to make and could do little but hear him i told him i should write you to-day placing the matter before you as he presented it that i could not without inquiry say to you that i was or was not satisfied that all was right but should be very glad to see your pleasant relations continue and so it ended this explanation was not satisfactory if my books were published more expensively than most books mr hunt should have told me before when the first one was to be published he asked what style i should like and suggested that of city curate i preferred sir thomas brown he made no objection nor even hinted that it was more expensive than the other he wrote to me it will be a beauty and look like sir thomas brown in its red waistcoat and again i am glad you like the costume into which we put your first-born the following books were simply published in uniform style with the first and nothing was ever said about it between us as to the cost of advertising why should it cost him more to advertise than it did other publishers or more to advertise me than other writers what again had i to do with the cost of the machinery for large sales or with the rate of discount unless they were gotten up and arranged solely or chiefly on my account in that case i must indeed have been disastrous to my publishers for i cannot think my sales have been exceptionally large the reason alleged for the increased price allowed on rights of men seemed trivial true it was but a thin book and took but little paper and so cost less but it was not so thin a book as holidays on which they allowed me but ten cents while on rights of men accounted for after i had begun to look into the matter they allowed fifteen cents yet both books were sold at the same retail price one dollar and fifty cents rights of men was one hundred and forty four pages thinner than winter work one hundred and twenty three pages thinner than cotton picking ninety eight pages thinner than old miasmas those books were sold at a retail price of two dollars while this was one dollar and a half on those books they allowed me seven and a half per cent while on this they allowed me ten per cent but old miasmas is one hundred and fifty-one pages thinner than city lights cotton picking is one hundred and twenty-six pages thinner than city lights all three of the books are sold at the same retail price two dollars and on all three i was allowed but seven and a half per cent 
that is while all goes smoothly a thinness of one hundred and fifty-one pages is of no account it neither makes the price of a book less to the buyer nor the pay of a book greater to the author but when ripples began to rise a thinness of ninety-eight pages makes the buyer's price less by fifty cents and the author's pay greater by one-fourth thinness thou art a jewel one thing more as these books are published in uniform style if they are published more expensively than most books they must have been so published in the beginning therefore the relative pay of the author should then have been less but the first contract is made out according to the usual custom at ten per cent on the retail price when the author was unknown and the sale uncertain he received ten per cent after he became known and the risk one would suppose must have been diminished he went down to six and two-thirds per cent great is the mystery of publishing thinking it possible that smallness of sales might have something to do with it i wrote to mr dane i can't tell a lie pa i wish i was satisfied but i am not if mr hunt had said this to me in the first place i dare say i should have been the best light in this that i asked him a question to which for three months he made no reply you asked it and he answered at once this however is a slight matter i can talk about it and scold him for it and without ever forgiving him live on in perfect good humour it is a surface matter and if this is all it is nothing but i cannot thoroughly feel that this is all and i cannot be the same without feeling so mr jackson knew the style of the book so did mr campton and they knew the expenses of publishing and if mr hunt had so much regard for me as he thinks he had why did he let me go on making myself wretched for weeks when an hour's time should have set everything at rest he who really regards me will regard my whims as well as my wants and this was not a whim either it was a sensible and natural question mr hunt is mistaken in supposing i did not mean what i seemed to mean i did mean just that and if i had meant less i should have felt less i am not a simpleton to break my heart over a difference of opinion i did not think it necessary to apply to any others than marsh and merriman and mr campton if they think everything is as it should be then be it resolved that it is enough testimony is as good as a feast why should others pay me more for a single work in order to get me can they afford to pay me more than he but there is no good in talking upon uncertainties when we have found out any actual data we can cipher on interminably i trust you are pleased with the prospect i do not think it is of any use to stop here because inwardly i am no more content than i was to begin not so much in fact i am at one of those places where it is easier to go forward than backward indeed from this point it is impossible to go back to where i was when i started having slept over it it occurs to me to say that i think you better see mr campton and perhaps no one else i am afraid it will somehow get out 
mr dane took my accounts to mr campton and laid the facts before him making thus the matter personal for the first time he reported i have had a long talk with mr campton and stated to him all that mr hunt said as reasons for his course as well as what the book sales had been etc he says your books are not within his murray's and elder's usual line of publication but he knows all about them he says nobody would ask you to receive less than ten per cent on the retail price and any publisher in athens will give you more for anything you may offer and that now you ought to receive for all past sales at that rate on all the books and that you would be entitled to that even on a book where only two thousand copies sold mr campton measured and counted the pages etc in your books and figured the cost in all the items at outside present prices it cost to compose and stereotype such a book one dollar twenty-five cent a page or five hundred dollars for four hundred pages that is the whole outlay for the plates ready to print after that the books cost all told say fifty-two cents per copy the publisher receives including what he retails and gives away an average of one dollar and twenty cent per copy on the whole editions such books of four hundred pages cost each copy paper and print work twenty four cent binding twenty three cent stereotype plates five hundred dollars ten thousand copies each at five cents which totals fifty two cents the retail price of two dollars We'll take 40% off of that, which makes 80 cent, which leaves us with $1.20. Now, let us deduct that 52 cent for printing costs, and that leaves us 68 cent, of which the publisher has 53 cent, the author 15 cent. Old Miasmus has only 310 pages, and so costs less by 25%. Mr. C. says the books can be made at 15% less than these estimates, but he wanted to keep within bounds. The advertising, etc., are part of the usual machinery of all publishers. He says B&H, so far from making unusual discounts to the trade, have recently published a list prescribing so little discounts that the trade are offended. I also directed Mr. Dane to write to some of the Corinthian publishers to ascertain their custom. He wrote to Perville and Company and received the following reply on March 20th. Dear Sir, in reply to your favor of 18th, beg to say that, in the absence of any agreement, we should pay to the author 10% on the retail price for all copies sold. This, on $2, would give the author 20 cents and $1.50, 15 cents per copy very respectfully b perville and company my confidence in mr hunter was lost and i was too much disheartened to do anything more except to close my connection with the firm so far as i could i wrote to mr dane do not you be disturbed by this unhappy complication if you do i shall be desperate indeed there is nothing to be done between mr hunt and me there is nothing between us worth preserving the case has been presented to him he is not inclined to do anything and i certainly cannot press him either he feels that he is right 
or that he is wrong if the former any proceedings on my part will only bring on active antagonism if the latter the consciousness of it is penalty severe enough to atone for all moreover so far as i am concerned no money could make amends for what it would cost me and in fact having lost so much i think i rather enjoy losing the money too i would not see mr hunt any more let it all go end of section four